Episode 85 of the Flagrantly Foul Podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on TuneIn Radio, at the Foul Podcast, on Twitter and Instagram, and at SJ7 on Twitter for yours truly, Sean St. Jacques, back at it again with another show. Sadly, this is the last show of the season as we are officially wrapping things up. We thought, you know, it's been a couple weeks since we did our last, since we did the last show, and, um, this was kind of a fitting day to end the podcast season for this year's college basketball season. Uh, for us, it's, it's going to be our last show for a while, uh, and I'll explain that in a second. Uh, but basically, the reason we wanted to do the show today uh, was because today was supposed to be the national championship game in Atlanta, uh, and obviously because of the coronavirus pandemic, which has continued to get worse over the last couple of weeks since we last released a podcast. Uh, we thought this was the right time to end uh, this uh, season of shows and also to put a bow on this college basketball season. Uh, we were going to record today anyway, um, and obviously uh, the plan was to either record a reaction or uh, a live reaction um, to the national championship game like we did last year in real time. Uh, on that part of our SoundCloud page, you can check out the last two in real times we did from last year's NCAA tournament. Uh, we did uh, a reaction to some of the first and uh, some of the first round games uh, on one of the first weekends of the NCAA tournament, and then we did the Virginia Tech, excuse me, Virginia Tech, Virginia versus Texas Tech uh, national championship game live reaction. You guys seem to really enjoy that. We were going to try and do that again, uh, but not to be because uh, of the coronavirus pandemic uh it's gonna be uh an interesting show today we'll get to the future of the podcast at the end but uh we want to at least put a bow on this season first um so first the the another reason we, we kind of saved this podcast for today was because we kind of wanted to make sure that we could put a bow on it and part of putting a bow on it was figuring out whether or not um the eligibility situation was going to be uh, ironed out basically as far as what the NCAA was going to do for spring sports and what the NCAA was going to do for winter sports. And this happened actually coming up on a week ago now, actually the D- division one, the NCAA have allowed additional eligibility for spring sports athletes whose seasons were cut short by COVID-19. However, the NCAA has not given that same, uh, added eligibility to winter sports athletes, meaning that seniors this year that did not um, get to finish their NCAA tournaments, uh, they're, they're done. Their eligibility will not be renewed for another season. So basically it puts a bow on the career, sadly, puts a bow on the careers of many great players uh, like Miles Powell, Cassius Winston, Marcus Howard, uh, Peyton Pritchard, just to name a couple, uh, Kamar Baldwin, from Butler, a lot of guys who we hadn't even seen yet in the conference tournaments, obviously because the conference tournaments were canceled. But we're not even we're not going to see them uh, again in college basketball, which was sad. Um, but to be fair, in my opinion, probably the right decision. It, it, it's it's easier, I think. Well, easier is not the best word, but it makes a little more sense to give the spring 
student-athletes this opportunity because they didn't get to play any part of their season. Their whole season gets canceled, and the NCAA wants to give them their chance to come back. Now, my in my heart of hearts, especially as, as a you know someone that loves college basketball, loves the players that we saw this season, and has a team that could have maybe won a national championship this year, um, as my alum, as my alma mater, um, I would have loved to have seen these guys get a second chance to play their most important part of the season. You could argue, yeah, they played three-fourths of their season, but the last fourth was the most important part. The conference tournament and the NCAA tournament is what you build towards during the season, but in the grand scheme of things, I can understand why this this decision was made and why it's the right decision, because it's unprecedented, so you can see why the NCAA was thinking about giving uh, basketball players another year of eligibility, but it was more important, I think, to give the spring sports athletes that extra year of eligibility if they want it, because they didn't get any of their season. They got nothing. At least the men's basketball and the women's basketball teams got three-fourths of their season. And for the women's basketball teams, they got to, I believe, almost everyone, if not everyone, played their conference tournaments as well. So for me, personally, keeping up with the Big East Women's Tournament, DePaul went on and won the Big East Conference Tournament on the women's side. So it was, that part was at least able to be completed, even though uh, the WNIT and the women's uh, NCAA tournament were canceled. So it's it's a difficult decision, but for once, I, I think the NCAA did the right thing here. Uh, as harsh as it is, again, on, on those guys I named and those teams like Dayton, uh, who just never get to this point, you know, that, that you just not, you know, next year, they're probably not going to be <laughs> a one seed, I'm guessing, since Obi Toppin is going to the NBA, and we'll get to him in a second as well. Uh, you feel for teams uh, like Rutgers, who, uh, you know, made the tournament essentially for the first time since the 90s and never got a chance to uh, to dance, never got a chance to actually go there and, and put the dancing shoes on. Um, I feel for teams, again, like I said earlier, like Seton Hall, like Butler, Marquette, Oregon, Duke, uh, Kentucky, Michigan State, uh, Kansas. You know, Yudoka Azubuki is another fantastic senior who, who leaves us without getting one last shot at an NCAA tournament championship. Um, so I, I, and you know, Iowa, what a magical season Luca Garza had. We'll get to him later on in the show. We don't get to see that payoff in the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament, frankly, as well. Uh, he was a player, I know me personally, uh, I would have been very excited to see what happens uh, in the conference tournament, but you know we're not going to see it, and it, it's disappointing. I was really Boy, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite times of the year, if not my most favorite time of the year. Um, and you know, you know, for those that listen to the show, you knew we were going to be at the Garden for the NCAA tournament this year. It was a huge opportunity for, for me, for the show, for you guys that love the show. It's gut-wrenching. Um, but because of what's going on, because of, uh, of the people that are being affected, um, the, we have to try. Uh, we have to. We have to try to slow down and, and uh, stay at home. And we have to, I, I, I forget the term, but basically cut the curve, whatever it is, you know, even out the curve. I keep forgetting what the, um, 
the the saying is um, with the coronavirus, but we're trying our best to slow this thing down. And until there's a vaccine, I don't know if we'll be able to do that. Uh, flattening the curve is the uh, is the saying. We're trying our best to do that, um, and I and I implore you to do the same. If if you're like me, you're just absolutely gut wrenched that all these sports are not happening right now. Um, stay at home if you can. If you have to go out and work, God bless you. Uh, stay safe, please. Wear uh, you know the proper uh, equipment, proper clothing. You know to stay safe out there. Um, it's essential. So, um, but that's the that's what the NCAA decided to do. It was the right decision. So, again, I feel terrible. Um, for the seniors, I've said that time and again, uh, since this has all kind of gone down over the last month or so, uh, but it was the right decision. I don't think there's much argument now to it, but I feel great, um, for the seniors on the spring side. I really do. Um, they get a chance to go pro if they want to go pro, or they get a chance to come back and have their moment. So I'm excited for them, the baseball teams, the softball teams, um, I'm forgetting a lot. Lacrosse, swimming and diving, track and field. There's a lot out there that 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 are spring sports uh, around the country. Volleyball for some in the, on the beach side of things. So I'm excited that those teams get a chance um, to at least have a season. Um, we're 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 spoiled with the NCAA tournament every year. We get to see these great players, and luckily, you know, here's the you know. Looking back, right, and I mentioned this on the last show, you know, at least Luca Garza and Marcus Howard and, and Miles Powell and Peyton Pritchard have played, you know, in Cassius Winston and Yudoka Zabuki. They've had NCAA tournament moments in the past. They've all had chances to go and make their impact in the NCAA tournament. So that's the good news for those big teams, right? They, they've had their, they've, they, they wanted one more shot, right? They wanted one more chance to maybe lift the championship title in Atlanta. But at least they've, some of them have won a championship. Some of them have at least, you know, a conference tournament or a conference regular season title. They've made their mark on their schools. But also, they've played in March. They've had the chance to play in the NCAA tournament. And for almost everybody I just named there, they've at least won in the NCAA tournament or had a big moment in the NCAA tournament or a big game in the NCAA tournament. I really feel for the for the small schools. I, I really feel for those mid-majors out there, the, the one-bid leagues. That, that you know, I, I, Boston University is, is one of the first teams that comes into my mind. I can't remember the last time they've, they've had an NCAA tournament to remember, and they're not going to play in it. You know, those are the schools. You know, the Yale, uh, you know, the, not even the Yales, the, the, the Harvards, who haven't been to the tournament in a while and didn't get, didn't get a chance to get into the NCAA tournament. They canceled their tournament. feel bad for those teams. I, I feel bad, oh man, you know, for uh, the Belmonts. I feel bad for the East Tennessee States. You know, those teams that really could have made, made some noise in March. So those are the schools, because you just don't know what those schools um, when, when they're going to get back, right. When they're going to be back in the mix again. So uh, those are the ones I feel bad for the most, you know, cause you can say, you know, Luca Garza, uh, has won in, in the NCAA tournament. Marcus Howard 
has had a phenomenal career, including Big East tournament moments and, and NCAA tournament moments. You know, Miles Powell is a Big East champion and and ended the the seat and was part of the team that ended Seton Hall's March Madness losing streak and March Madness drought without a win. You know, with that great win over NC State a couple years ago, uh, and and made a great run of the NCAA tournament last year with Seton Hall. You know, Peyton Pritchard uh, went to a Final Four with Oregon and is a Pac-12 champion. So I, I you know, Cassius Winston's a Final Four uh, player and a, and a Big Ten champion. Yudoka Azubuki's a Final Four player and a Big 12 champion. So you know, those are the guys that have at least had their moments, right? There, a lot of those guys are champions or uh, winners in the NCAA tournament. They've at least won games there and they've had their moments. But the the guys that are the one bid league guys, the mid majors, those are the ones right now that, that if you're if you're missing college basketball, miss it for them. Miss it for those Cinderella teams that we never got it to see put on the slipper. So that and that that'll be I'll get off my soapbox, but those are the guys that I feel for the most at the moment. All right, let's move on. Uh, some recognition is in order. Um, some of the awards are out. Uh, Obi Toppin named the Naismith Award winner for the Men's College Basketball Player of the Year. He's been doing the rounds on all the media outlets. He's going to the NBA draft after a phenomenal season with Dayton. Uh, we will surely uh, miss him. Uh, he's also the AP National Player of the Year, uh, Player of the Year, and Anthony Grant is coach, AP National Coach of the Year. And I don't think that's happened in a while that the coach and a player from the same team won both awards. So congratulations to Dayton. Would have been a one seed in the NCAA tournament if they had won the A10 championship. Another missed opportunity for me. Uh, I was going to be uh, at the Barclays Center for the A10 championship game, trying to see. Obi Toppin in person for the first time this year and sadly the A10 of course did not carry it out so um but a great list right I mean of the uh players that were nominated you're looking at Luca Garza from Iowa Miles Powell from Seton Hall uh, among the runners-up for the Naismith Award for the best player in college basketball was a loaded field this year college basketball was spoiled this year with fantastic talent really that was spread out among the power conferences and around to some of the biggest programs in the country were really good this year because of the great players like Toppin, like Garza, like Powell, like Howard, like Pritchard, like Azabuki. Just a phenomenal year. And again, we would have loved to have seen it end in Atlanta today, uh, but they still deserve the recognition for such a phenomenal year. And Obi Toppin more than deserving of being the player of the year in college basketball. The AP All-American Awards are out as well. Third team, solid team here. Jared Butler from Baylor, Trey Jones from Duke, Jordan Wara from Louisville, third team All-American. Just shows you how deep this is. Same, Philip Petrusev had a phenomenal year at Gonzaga. is just a third team All-American. And Jalen Smith, arguably the best big man in the Big Ten from Maryland, uh, other than Luca Garza, I guess. Third team AP All-American. Second AP All-American team is Azabuki. Yudoka Azabuki from Kansas. Vernon Carey Jr. from Duke. Devon Dotson from Kansas. Malachi Flynn from San Diego State. And a snub, in my opinion, Cassius Winston from Michigan State. I think you could argue Cassius Winston's a first-team All-American, 
but then who do you take out? Because the first team is absolutely loaded. Luca Garza from Iowa, Marcus Howard from Marquette, Miles Powell from Seton Hall, Peyton Pritchard from Oregon, and the player of the year in the nation, Obi Toppin from Dayton, is your first team AP All-Americans. I don't think I would, out of the three teams, I can't think of many players that I think were completely snubbed from the All-American teams in general. I think the argument could have been made that Cassius Winston is a first-team All-American. But, again, who do you take off? I I think if I had to take somebody off, and I'll tell you what, it would be harsh, but maybe Peyton Pritchard is is the... is the low man in the first team all American category, but it's oh it's so tight. It's so tight. Um I think those would be that would be my only debate would be whether whether you'd go Pritchard or Winston. I don't think there's a wrong choice there. I think preferably I would put Cassius Winston there, but when both teams have won the their conference regular season crowns, uh it's tough to uh put a tiebreaker in there both had absolutely phenomenal seasons you know obviously Michigan State uh, winning a share of arguably the best conference in the country uh, extremely impressive um, so it's tough you know I, another another player I felt a little bad for was was Petrusev because he's only a third team All-American but it's so deep with the first two teams I think you have to put him third team All-American for those that haven't watched Gonzaga a lot in the regular season we're waiting until March, and you didn't really get a chance to see them this year. Philip Petrusev is probably the best big man that doesn't play in a power conference. He's absolutely phenomenal. Hopefully, he'll come back for another season at Gonzaga. He's a really good player. I'd love to see him get an NCAA tournament run with the Zags under his belt before he goes off to the pros. He's another in a long line of great Gonzaga big men. Uh, Jordan Wara is probably the biggest disappointment on the AP All-American list, and, I, and I'm saying that considering, you know, yes, he is an, a, he's an All-American, but Jordan Wara is a guy that should have been a first-team All-American. I mean, you're looking at him in the preseason, and he was a guy that you're looking at the mix, and you're thinking, this guy's going to be in the top five players in the country. And obviously, Louisville down the stretch didn't exactly live up to the hype, so Tough to see that for him, but an All-American nonetheless. So excited to see that. Uh, you know, there was a team that I was looking at earlier in the season and kind of fell off towards the end, although Chris Mack's going to have a good team again, most likely, in Louisville, Kentucky next season as well. So, and one quick note um, for the for the first team, Miles Powell is the second AP All-American in Seton Hall Pirates history. I think we're talking four or five decades since the last one, it technically it, he's the third, but one of Seton Hall's first two All-Americans was before AP took over the All-American uh, duties, so to speak. So he's the third All-American in Seton Hall history, but he's the second AP All-American. Terry DeHare, uh was the last one, I believe. He was a second team All-American. But if we're talking first team All-American, we're, I mean, we're talking way back. So Exciting for Miles Powell and Seton Hall there. And then obviously, you know, you look at Obi Toppin carrying the flag for Dayton as a first-team All-American and a National Player of the Year. A special season 
for the Flyers, and it's nice to see Obi Toppin getting the recognition. Same with Malachi Flynn. You know, this is a special year. Uh, this was a special year for San Diego State as well, and they were still looking to uh, possibly uh, make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. They would have probably, not probably, they would have fallen off the one line after losing to Utah State in the Mountain West Championship game. That was the best piece of March Madness we got was Sam Merrill's game-winning shot to win the Mountain West Championship game over San Diego State and put the Aggies from the bubble into the field as an automatic bid. That was probably our best March Madness moment of 2020. I was fortunate enough to, thinking about it now, fortunate enough to stay up and watch that game. It was an epic game. Um, and if you missed it, you probably missed the best <laughs> March moment of the season, which is a shame. Um, but a great moment at the time for, for the Aggies, but also great to see Malachi Flynn get the recognition that he deserves uh, for a fantastic season. Brian Dutcher, by the way, should have gotten some Coach of the Year love nationally as well. And probably not a winner, but should have been in the conversation. He had a phenomenal season coaching the Aztecs in San Diego. So phenomenal list. I mean, it really is. Uh, we were uh, spoiled with talent this year in college basketball. After after a year where we kind of weren't, you know, all the best players were kind of on Duke and Carolina and, uh, you know, teams like Kansas last year. It was very top-heavy with the talent. Last year it was a lot more spread out this year. And uh, we were we were... We, we had a phenomenal season because of that. And again, we just don't get to see it end because uh, of the coronavirus pandemic. A couple of headlines I want to get to as well with a lot to talk about, to be honest with you. I, I don't even know where to start. It's interesting. I, I'm Probably the biggest news of the last 24 hours is that Matt Harms is transferring from Purdue. That was a That was a bit of a shocker. Matt Harms, you kind of felt like, was a cornerstone... Purdue guy, um, he's a grad transfer. He's immediately eligible for next season. But you know, according to ESPN, the Purdue staff was pretty surprised uh, when they heard that he was going to leave. So I know I would be. Uh, this is a guy that you know over the last three seasons has been, I, I you know, my God, a cornerstone. Like I said, for this Purdue team. He's always put up pretty good numbers, um, although I think his numbers this past season were a little down from the season before. Here they are. He averaged 9.4 points per game in 2018-19, 5.4 rebounds, 2.1 blocks. Points were down to 8.6. Rebounds were down to 4.6, and blocks were actually even down as well, slightly to 2 instead of 2.1. So his... His services are going to go elsewhere, and someone's going to be very happy picking him up. I, I don't know who um, right now would be a good option, but clearly he thinks you know that he can go somewhere and maybe go. You know, my guess is you know you leave Purdue and you're thinking national championship. Where can I go that can give me a chance to win a national championship? There's going to be a couple of schools you know that are going to be definitely looking at Harms with his size, his ability to block shots and clog the lane, and the fact that he can play next season with his eligibility all set. So he's going to be right up there. We're talking transfers uh, going into the spring and into the summer, or should say, I should say the spring, uh, or depending on how the you know coronavirus goes. But it's really the spring where where Harms is going to be sought after because of the uh, the deadline. So. 
I'm excited to see what happens with that, but that's a shocking piece of news that kind of came up over the last 24 hours. Tyrese Maxey is declared for the NBA draft out of Kentucky, as has Jordan Wara, who I mentioned earlier from Louisville. Um, I, there's a couple other notable players that have that have declared for the draft, but they've uh, either not hired an agent or they're still debating what they're going to do. So there's a couple of guys who are up in the air with that that will be worth keeping an eye on at the moment. Um, so, but for one thing is for sure, Tyrese Maxey's not coming back. He is going to the NBA. Um, and I believe uh, most mock drafts have him as either a top 10 pick or worst case, a top 12 pick. Everyone's got him pretty high up. I think ESPN's got him at eight. As far as the prospects go, a lot of draft boards have him right around the top 10. So he's going to be a sought after player as well. Jordan Nwara is going to definitely leave Louisville. I can't imagine he'll come back. ESPN, I think has him as a late first, early second round pick. Most draft boards I've seen have got him in the second round, but there's a few that, that, that think he might be able to slide into the first round. I think the average I've kind of seen is around 37 or 38. Uh, that would be an early second round pick. So uh, Jordan Nuara has decided to take his talents to the NBA. Uh, and we lose a couple of great players um, that played their college ball in the state of Kentucky. So it'll be interesting to see what those teams do. They'll be able to reload. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but we'll have to see. It's it's there, There'll be more coming with that. And obviously there's going to be more as far as um, <laughs> guys coming back, making their decisions, testing the waters, things like that, um, that you'll be seeing over the next couple of weeks. Um, also on top of that, you know, there's been recruiting going on over the last couple of weeks. What a busy couple of weeks for Iona. Uh, Rick Bettino's come in to New Rochelle and gotten right to work and he's picked up a couple of recruits already. Uh, it's, it's been so quick over the last few weeks. Uh, but Rick Bettino is, is already trying to build next year's roster and his image with the Gales. And I can't imagine, I mean, the Gales have got to be preseason favorites, in the Mac, maybe to be honest, I think I look at them mid-major talk here. I look at them. I look at St. Peter's, and then you kind of look at the rest of the field. Maybe a Monmouth, you know, maybe a Rider. Depends on how many guys come back from that Bronx team from last year. And then there's a bit of a drop off. I mean, Manhattan was, you know, kind of a sleeper team in the Mac tournament and and things like that. But you know, with Shane Holloway's building in Jersey City with St. Peter's and really the great work. That's being done at Monmouth as well. I mean, you look at those two programs, they'll be in the mix. Ryder had a solid season last year as well. So I, I don't know. It's going to be the, the max wide. I mean, Siena, what a great year for the Saints last year as well. How many guys are going to come back and be a factor for them? So those are all teams to watch out for, for Rick Pitino to contend with next season. It's crazy to even say that, that Rick Pitino is coaching in the MAC is, is insane. The fact that he's coaching college basketball at all is pretty insane. So he's going to be a big storyline uh, for the off season. There's no question about that. And again, the recruiting that's going on a ton of transfers 
uh, that are up for grabs uh, that are going to be big as the offseason goes on. Um, looking at that, I was looking at the recruiting, getting ready for the show yesterday, and there's still quite a few names out there that have not yet committed from the ESPN Top 100, including the number one recruit, Jalen Green, according to ESPN, 97 rated a five-star kid from Fresno, California. According to ESPN, his final schools uh, that he visited were Oregon, Auburn, Memphis, and Kentucky. He's got offers from a lot of schools. There's no question about that, but we don't know where he's going yet. Uh, Last time I checked, at least, so... He's undeclared at the moment. Um, and you look a little bit further down, a couple of top 10 kids that have not yet committed. And then you look even further down the top 100. And there's there's a couple of uh, top 50 guys that have not uh, signed yet uh, with some programs as well. So, I mean, there's a lot to look at, a lot to still take care of i think some of this is actually not updated so some of these kids like cliff omaruyi's committed they say here he has and he's been he's committed i think the Rutgers. so there's a couple of things that i think are not yet um been updated yet but there's still the you know there's still some guys out there there's still some guys you look at the recruiting classes and obviously kentucky's got a couple of top 10 kids duke's got i think four top 25 top four top 25 kids and five top 30 kids as well. So, and, and six top 50 kids for Duke this year as well. So, they're going to have a ton of turnover again on that roster next season. Duke's, I mean, Duke has kind of become Kentucky in some ways. Kentucky's only got, I think, four in the top 50, and Duke's got six in the top 50. So, Duke's got the depth, but Kentucky, you could argue, has got more of the better talent, at least according to the rankings. So it's interesting. There are a couple of of just notable recruiting things. Carolina's going to be much better next year. They've got three top 20 kids in this uh, upcoming recruiting class. Gonzaga's got a top five recruit for next season as well, as does Oklahoma State. How about that? A top three recruit. Uh, prospect a point guard Cade Cunningham uh, alliteration nation stand-up going to Oklahoma State that's a big get for the Cowboys and then you look at USC getting Evan Mobley a top two kid so that's going to be interesting as well and then one more um, that I wanted to get to as well one more group that I think is definitely or, or not one more group but one more uh, one more set of recruiting that's interesting. UCLA getting some recruits in the top 20. It is uh, Dacian Nix from Vegas, a point guard, a five-star kid going to UCLA. So Mick Cronin is getting some big recruits into Westwood. So, and by the way, another big what-if team from this past year, Mick Cronin and the UCLA Bruins could very well if they had made a Pac-12 tournament run, come back from the dead to get into the NCAA tournament. So another big what-if from this year. But the future is bright with UCLA. What a year uh, for Mick Cronin to turn things around when it just looked like another dire year 
in Westwood. And, and already, you know, uh, Rick Pitino, not Rick Pitino, a couple of uh, rumors are going around that Mick Cronin uh, was already on his way out and are soon to be on his way out. And you're kind of thinking, oh boy, what's going to happen? And, you know, but, you know, I heard a couple of his interviews, you know, on different podcasts and stuff like that. And he just never wavered. He always kind of found, you know, he didn't know it was going to turn around this quickly, but he kind of knew, you know, just, you know, the time, if we're going to put in the time and it's going to start turning around and turned around, I think even sooner than he thought this season. So really impressive from UCLA. The future again is going to be bright for his program uh, in the years to come. So very interesting stuff there on the recruiting trail with UCLA, uh, who have been, again, not a ton of recruits in the top 100, but the ones that they've gotten are really good. And they're going to have a pretty darn good team next year if things go their way. And again, they should have a couple of guys returning from that pretty solid team uh, that could have gotten to the NCAA tournament last season. So, But again, some news and notes from around college basketball that are you know kind of interesting no question about that moving forward and by the way some recruiting that's going to be coming up soon like there's going to be some guys that just make their decision and the transfer portal is it's really wide open a lot of notable guys out there and matt harms now joins them uh, in the transfer portal so there's going to be a lot of guys out there that could really improve some teams going into next year uh one more quick thing because uh, one thing we still have to do is wrap up name madness for those that have not been uh up to date on that we completed the tournament and we'll get to that in a second as well but the bracketology for 2020 2021 joe lenardi has uh has updated his bracketology for next season and it is very very interesting a uh, lot of teams taking a huge step back, according to Joe Lenardi. Some a little bit too much uh, of a step back, in my opinion. You know, teams like Providence, uh, teams like Maryland, um, that are way back from where they're expected to be. Uh, a little bit too much hype for Creighton, I would say, for next season. Um, Iowa as well. Could be that good, but not everyone's back yet. Miami is getting a little too much hype, I think, already um, with this as well. Only four Big East teams, according to Joe Lenardi, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, not a lot of love for Seton Hall, not a lot of love for Butler or Marquette, uh, although I think all three of those teams, especially Seton Hall, uh, depending on how things shake out. Same with Butler, by the way. Depending on how things shake out, they could be very much back in the mix as well. Penn State. Lamar Stevens, another notable player who we didn't get to see in the NCAA tournament this year. Great player and team out of the Big Ten. They're on the outside looking in, according to Joey Brackets as well. But an early look in to what Joe Lenardi thinks about next year's teams. By the way, uh, apparently Tennessee has is down as a five seed. Well, let's wait and see on that. <laughs> Holy smokes. Tennessee was a team that, yeah, had a couple of nice wins at the end of the season, but overall had a really bad year this year under Rick Barnes. So work in progress there for sure. San Diego State is a four seed. Let's hold our horses a little bit on that one. I know Joel and has got to fill in these brackets, but hold on <laughs> on the Aztecs. Uh, they, they got a lot of holding on to do before uh, we put them that high on the seed uh, in the seed. So 
uh, on the uh, on the on the four lines. So it's a lot of stuff. Obviously, the Big Ten, ten teams right now. Pac-12 has seven. I think again, hold your horses on that one a little bit as well. Um, and then you know, again, Memphis is nowhere near it. It looks like at the moment. I didn't see them uh, when I kind of rattled through the list here. So uh, apparently, the pen- and that's another another big what if you know. With with Memphis, James Wiseman leaves. Did did they have a, an a, an American conference tournament run in them? You know that kind of a thing. UConn, by the way, as a nine seed. What? <laughs> Where are we getting this from? So uh, th- these are the kind of things that we gotta iron out as the off season goes on, and then hopefully, knock on wood, when next season comes around, hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll have an uh, a. Uh, <laughs> a more uh, clear outlook on what we're looking at going in to next season. So the final bracketology from Joe Lenardi was out a couple weeks ago. But again, no, number of notable teams uh, that need to be, I think, adjusted uh, as this season, as the offseason goes on, in my opinion, uh, to kind of see how things will actually shake out whenever we get to play in March again. So interesting stuff on the rundown from college basketball some interesting news and notes let me know what you guys think of the latest news and notes around college basketball as you can probably tell already this is going to be a a bit of a shorter show this week we're basically at the end but before we go um because this is the last show of the 2019-20 season even though the season's already been canceled uh this would have been the national championship game in college basketball tonight in atlanta Instead, we have the results of name madness for you from the last couple of weeks. You guys were fantastic when the voting came down to the nitty-gritty. The final four, as you know if you've been following along, Flo Thamba from the Baylor Bears gets to the final four. It's a rematch, by the way, of last year's final four semifinal number one between Flo Thamba and Nebraska's Thorier Thorbjarnarsson. Same matchup, a year between the two matchups. The results stayed the same. Thor year, Thor Bjarnarsson moved on to the national championship game. Tough for Flo Thamba, but back-to-back final fours for Flo Thamba. You guys fell in love with Flo Thamba, and he gets to back-to-back final fours in name madness. Pretty darn impressive. Other side of the bracket, this year's Cinderella name was Boo Booey from Northwestern, and he got all the way to the final four. Uh, Boo Booey actually knked off, um, I believe it was Trez Tinkle. Yeah, Trez Tinkle got knocked off in the Elite Eight, and Boo Booey out of the sports name region got to the final four. Just to quickly recap the, uh, the Elite Eight in case you missed it, Flo Thamba beat Dr. Bradley. To get to the final four, uh, Thor Year Thor Bjarnarsson beat Isaiah Mario Huhu Leafa to get to the final four out of the deftly mispronounced during roll call region. Flo Thamba won the I'd name my kid that region. Boo Booey beat Trez Tinkle to get out of the sports name region. But who would Boo Booey face in the final four? It is the winner of the deftly Naki and Peel region, Flandris Fleming Jr., who beat Shaquillo Fritz in the Elite Eight to get to, and I'm not making this up, Flandris Fleming Jr.'s third straight Final Four. Flandris Fleming Jr., each year of name madness, has been in the Final Four. What a tremendous legacy 
to leave for Flanders Fleming Jr. So on the other side of the bracket again, Thor Year Thor Bjarnarson beat Flo Thamba in the first national semifinal for name madness pretty convincingly uh, after a slow start from Thor Year Thor Bjarnarson. But Cornhusker Nation, uh, led by our first champion, Johnny Trueblood, really turned it around and he moved on to the championship game against Flanders Fleming Jr., who just squeaked it out over Boo Booey, a tremendous effort from the Northwestern name in the semifinals. But Flanders Fleming Jr., in his last year of eligibility, gets to the national championship game for the first time. However, for the second time in three years, it is Cornhusker Nation lifting the crown. Thorier Thorbjarn Arson, after finishing as the runner-up last year to Lassie Nickerinen, he turns it around this year and wins Name Madness for the third season, 1920. Two out of three years, we've had a Nebraska Cornhusker lift the crown. It was True Blood in the first year of Name Madness. Second year was Montana State's Lassie Nickerinen, representing Finland. And this year, it's the Icelandic Name of Glory, Thorier Thorbjarnarsson. How about that? Cornhusker Nation and Johnny Trueblood, our guy, a friend of the show, won it his first year. His teammate, former teammate, wins it this year. So a couple of Cornhuskers. Cornhusker Nation, there's just no stopping them. And remember, it took a country to beat Cornhusker Nation last year with the almost the, felt like the entire country of Finland carrying Lassie Nikorinen over the line. But this year, Cornhusker Nation got through it and won name madness over Flandris Fleming Jr. in Charleston Southern, who just didn't have enough votes in the end. We had hundreds of votes coming in over the last couple of weeks. We really appreciate you guys continuing to vote on the polls at the Foul Podcast on Twitter and enjoying the content at the Foul Podcast as well on Instagram. So great season in name madness. Again, the final four, Boo Booey, Flanders Fleming Jr., Flo Thamba and our champion Thorier Thorbjarnarsson who beat Flandris Fleming Jr. in the final. And before we go, again, this is the last show of the 2019-2020 season. A third season of the Flagrantly Foul podcast is in the books. And I've only got one person to thank, and that is you, the fans out there who stay with us throughout the entire season. You guys have even been listening to the podcast over the last couple of weeks when we haven't even had a show uh, during the pandemic. Um, I can't thank you guys enough for continuing to listen to the show, to continuing to love the show, to loving Name Madness, to, to keeping up with us when we travel for college basketball and uh, whether we do shows on the road or whether we're going to cover events around college basketball. You're the reason we do it. Uh, you're the reason that... Uh, I get these opportunities. We get the chance to do this for you guys. Uh, can't thank you enough for all your love and support, for all the you know uh, tough times we've gone through this year. The fact that you guys have kept listening um, is tremendous. And again, I wish, I really wish we could have brought you some March Madness content this year. It would have been a dream come true for me on the show, but not to be. Um, but uh, the good there's some there's some good news and some bad news here. The bad news is this is the last show for a while. We're going to be off for at least a couple of months, unless you know big stories pop up and there's a reason to come on and talk. 
Um, we'd like to do that week in and week out, but the, 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 the fact of the matter is there's other stuff going on and, uh, we don't always get the chance to do it every week. The plan is to, uh, you know, when we can come back during the off season, maybe a couple of shows looking to next season, but we'll really be back in earnest and we're looking probably September, October, uh, to really getting ready for the fourth season of the show and for the 2020, 2021 college basketball season, and we're looking to be back and better than ever, as they say, in the late part of 2020, getting ready for next season. Until then, stay safe, stay indoors, and look after each other. Uh, thank you again for listening to the show. We will see you guys soon. Until then, stay safe, please. Stay indoors, wash your hands, listen to the CDC, uh, and keep you and your family and your friends as safe as possible. And also, uh, because this could go on for a while, try to enjoy as much of it as you can because these are uh, times that you can get a chance to reflect but also still enjoy uh, the situation that luckily a lot of us are in, which we get to be around our families, be around our friends, and then hopefully get our sports back uh, and our lives back as quickly as possible. So again, thank you. Stay safe. And we look forward to season four of the Flagrantly Foul podcast. And yes, name madness when the season rolls around in 2020, 2021. And until then, we will see you guys next time on the Flagrantly Foul podcast.